In this episode, I'm going to talk about eliminating scope creep because that's kind of the biggest profit and fun sucker in the strategic services industry, right? So if you're looking for a better way to keep your projects under control and within budget and stop having to sort of move the goalposts every five seconds, I'm going to go through the most important and often the most forgotten exercise that you can do with your client to make sure that you keep everything right on track. This is The Brand Sprint Show with Bruce White, the podcast for thinkers, writers, and researchers to get the best practical advice on how to consult, how to sell, and how to deliver brand and strategy sprints right across your client's business life cycles, because you can always add more value. Let's get into it. Hey there, strategists. Bruce here from Brand Sprint Academy. Thank you for joining me on another episode. Uh, If you're creatively frustrated and you want to turn your analytical personality and your natural problem-solving abilities into a career in strategy consulting, make sure you click that subscribe button below. I guide overthinkers and analytical personalities like you to simplify strategy consulting into repeatable, profitable sprints so that you can take the pressure off trying to wing it so you can launch a strategy consulting career with a pre-built schedule of services. I've got a free a free video training below this episode as well. Uh, it's a free course that's going to walk you through my exact process to define your audience and begin solving more valuable problems. But I don't want to get bogged down in any, any of that here. I want to move on with today's episode. So if you've ever dreamed of having the perfect project, you know, where your, where your clients sort of pay on time, the, the scope is clear, uh, there are no change requests like that'll ever happen. Uh, it all just runs like clockwork, right? You'll know that in reality, that rarely happens, right? No matter how well-intentioned you or your client enter the engagement. And the standard response to how to harness scope creep is it's just a question of planning and defining the client's needs properly, right? So that response assumes that you'll have all sorts of definitions and you'll have the scope defined in in your proposal and in your contract, uh, all these limitations, etc, etc, right? But that's kind of based on a flawed flawed perception, which is that the client knows what they need in the first place. And that's not, I'm not, that's not a criticism. I'm not throwing clients under the bus or, or saying that they're clueless. It's just that when the client comes to you, they're going to say something like, I want X, whether that's a brand or a logo or messaging or a new name, whatever it is they think they need, right? But in reality, what they really want is Y, more sales, uh, better brand recognition, more leads, right? And they think that X is the way to get them there. And of course, the danger with that is if you take them at their word and you just produce the X that they asked for without understanding, or even in some cases being aware that there is a different motivation, which is the the why, then you're just solving their stated needs, okay? And often their stated needs aren't actually what they really need. They just made an assumption based on whatever research they were doing, whatever experiences they've had, they made this assumption and then they brought that assumption to you, right? So I want to talk about the number one exercise that you can do, which is going to eliminate scope scope creep altogether, right? This is often the most forgotten pre-project requirement, but this is one that's actually going to move the needle for your client rather than just focus on protecting you from something that that you might forget through contracts and proposals and stuff like that, right? And the exercise is about uncovering insights into your client's customers. So you can call these user personas, client avatars, customer insights, whatever you like really. But as creative professionals, 
we have to understand that our job as a creative or as or any service professional or strategist who's providing these services, our job is always to help our clients align themselves with their customers, right? So it's always about the end user. And just, just to be clear, when I say client, I'm talking about the company that hires you. And when I say customer, I'm talking about their customers, okay? So if their customers are not buying into whatever we're doing for them, it is much more likely to fail, right? And then your scope creep can actually become do the whole thing again because the client thinks you either weren't listening or that you didn't do the right thing because they didn't achieve their why, right? Their real motivation because you didn't find that out to start with. So it's always about this alignment at the beginning of every project. It's always about the client's customer. And there are a few questions that you can ask to help your clients build this customer insight, right? So first, we're typically gonna start with a name and an archetype because just those two attributes alone can actually give you a snapshot into the client, into the customer's persona. So for the name, we just want to try and invent a fake name that sounds like it fits this user. And we want to think of things like ethnicity, ethnicity and culture here, okay? Don't worry about stereotyping. Don't get in your own way and say, oh, well, we can't be stereotypical. In fact, stereotypical names are likely more powerful because they already have all that inbuilt imagery. Obviously, you don't want to go with a very negative connotation. You don't want to use one of those really racist uh, sort of stereotypes that are insulting, but you do want to focus on the stereotypes around ethnicity and culture because, again, they've got all that built-in imagery in them, and that's going to help us envisage this person and everything that's going on around them much more easily, okay? Most importantly, do not use the name of an existing client or contact. There is way too much opportunity when you're doing these to muddy the water with existing perceptions around existing experiences based on one single person instead of defining an entire segment, okay? Plus, these profiles tend to get shared around in an organization and if your customer gets a hold of it and if there's something unflattering in there, if you've put their name on it, they will not be a customer anymore, okay? so. As far as the archetype, you can sort of think of this as a stereotype thing. Things like the, the activist, the healer, the pioneer, the dreamer, the judge, the child, the citizen, all of those types of things. You can find lists of archetypes online all over the place, uh, whether you're going to start with Jung's 12 or whether you're going to start with any number of different models that are out there. Uh, we use one in our brand sprint process from uh, the Millwood Brown process, which is kind of like a slightly scaled down version of the Jungian archetypes. There are hundreds of different types of archetypes out there. So just do a Google search, you'll be able to find one without a problem. But when we do this, we like to make up our archetypes of at least two different types, okay? When we're doing this customer persona. So this is our client's customer persona. So that could be something like a, an activist adventurer, for example. And we like to try and find things that aren't necessarily completely in alignment, right? They might even be a little bit contradictory. We're looking for that, that unique character that our client can really communicate with. So I'm not talking about something like a maverick visionary, okay? Because they're essentially the same thing. So you wouldn't create an archetype called a maverick visionary. You would just use one, maverick and or visionary, and then maybe try and find a complementary archetype that will make that unique, okay? But when you succeed in defining this archetype, it's going to give you a really clear snapshot of who the prospect is, okay? The activist adventurer, for example, could be a target persona for a company like Patagonia because 
uh, Yvonne Chouinard, the, the, the leader, the owner uh, of Patagonia, is an activist and an adventurer, right? He's a rock climber, he's all of these things. Uh, and that's the type of people that his brand speaks to, okay? So you can get a really clear picture of this client just from those two elements. And again, what's really fun about this is when you do the name and archetype, it's gonna give you that sort of uh, snapshot of who this person is, and that actually makes the next sections of this, all the remainder of what we have to def define for this, this uh, persona, much, much easier. Um, just before we get into demographics, a really quick comment, some of your clients will not have a strong enough understanding of who their customers are yet. Uh, if that's the case, you may not be able to do the archetype just yet. So you're gonna to have to build the profile before you can come back and analyze that to give them a name and then give them an archetype, okay? And that's perfectly fine. If you have to flip this around and do it backwards, it'll take a little bit longer, but that's not a problem at all. Uh, you obviously wouldn't wanna say, no, we can't do this for you if you don't know who your customers are, because there will come a point where a client knows their customers so well that they no longer need you, okay? So this is an expertise that you need to develop as part of your strategic consulting services. Some other clients, most other clients, you're gonna find that starting with the archetype is really gonna to help to set the tone of who this person is, right? And that really helps in the description of who they are for the rest of this. So once you've got the name and the archetype, the next thing we wanna do is we wanna identify the demographic characteristics of this prospect. So obviously gender, age, and income are gonna be key for every single profile. These are gonna let us infer lifestyle choices. They're gonna let us infer personality types. You know, if I was to say uh, soccer mum, you'd immediately have an idea of the type of person I'm talking to. If I was to say uh, hipster brewery owner, you'd immediately know the type of person that I'm talking about, okay? That's the sort, that's what I mean by stereotypical. We wanna, we wanna find stuff with built-in imagery, okay? It's gonna infer things like financial capacity, uh, which is very important for, for working with our client's brand, okay? There's no point us going out helping our client target customers that can't afford them. Uh, so all of those sort of things we're going to be able to infer uh, from gender, age, and income when we start this user profile. Then we, we, we want to get a lot more detailed. We're going to go into things like spouses. We're going to think of things like current, maybe even previous spouses, uh, number of kids, if they've got any, age of kids, status of kids, right? Are they, are they, are they saving for their kids' college? Are the kids in college already? Uh, are they working? Are they teenagers? Whatever, right? You really want to try and get as detailed as you can here because these things are what will help us understand the pressures and the difficulties that this customer is facing on a day-to-day -day basis, which of course lets us then better position our client's solution as the solution to those problems they're having in their day-to-day, -day, okay? So some of the questions that you, you, can, you can get started with will be things like age, uh, how many kids, where do they live? Um, and if your client's brand is dealing locally, right, with a local demographic, then you really want to narrow this down to the community if you can. Um, marital status, spouse's name, spouse's employment. Uh, okay, so you're almost, you're building these mini profiles within the profile. These mini profiles of the people who are around this profile. Uh, again, because they all have a direct effect on the day-to-day -day difficulties and the day-to-day -day life of the profile we're building. You will need to take some creative license here. Uh, you can complete the demographics with things like brands they buy, uh, places they shop, things they read, uh, whatever you think will help to get into their head, right? The goal is to understand where your client fits into this customer's world. So just keep on adding as much information about them as it takes to create that really clear picture. And then next up, 
we want to move on to their story. And this is where we start thinking of psychographic information, okay? We've just finished demographic, now we're going to start thinking of psychographic. So, personality, uh, their values, their opinions, their attitudes, their lifestyle, uh, challenges that drive them in all of those things. So some examples of questions you could ask would be, uh, are there any recent changes in their life? Was there anything momentous that has happened in their life? Uh, anything that makes them unique? Uh, why are they coming to us in the first place? What are, what, are your, what are your client's customers seeking from your client? For example, uh, maybe they just got some new work and they can't do it themselves. Maybe they need some support. As a part of that support, are they looking for someone to project manage it? Or are they looking for someone to work within the team? Uh, if, you're, if your client's customer, remember we're not talking about our client, that's for our own brand, that's for our own marketing. So if your client's customer is a realtor, for example, maybe the user profile is a widower who just lost his wife, right? And he needs to downsize. So from that, we would be able to understand that he's gonna have a lot of really sentimental stuff in that home, but he probably won't have the space for it all in his new place. So he might need you to put him in touch with an auction house or an estate liquidator or something like that. He might be looking for a local doctor in his new area. Uh, he might be looking for help delivering groceries. All of that sort of stuff is gonna fit under his story. And if you get stuck, just start this with the really general traits that describe how they are in their lives and jobs. Okay, so for that adventurer, think of things like physical activities and hobbies, hiking, uh, maybe going to the movies when he winds down, skiing, snowshoeing, whatever, right? Rock climbing in the case of Yvonne Chouinard. Um, and then think of the factors that relate to why they need your client's brand. Okay, it's one thing to build this pretty picture of who this person is, but if none of it relates to our client's brand, it's mostly pointless. Uh, it's never entirely pointless because it does give us the snapshot into the person that we can then use to direct into this next step, which is thinking about the factors that relate to why they need our client's brand, okay? So things like busy, uh, driven, wants to earn more money, right? If it's a, if it's a B2, B2B company, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, if it's a B2B customer, then I can almost guarantee they want more customers, okay? That's just a B2B thing. You wanna do business with B2B, they want more customers, okay? And then the last two sections that we're gonna hit are needs and goals. So just to give you some, some clarity of these two before we start the prospect goals, aspirations are bigger than just a specific need, okay? So that's the goals, they're aspirational. Needs are tactical, and goals are more aspirational, okay? So we, be, we begin with the need. And these are typically the backstory as it relates to your client's brand. So why did they seek out your client in the first place? What does this prospect need and why do they need it? And we sort of want to approach this from the perspective of creating cause and effect between their backstory, what's going on in their world, and their needs, okay? So uh, again, as an example, if your avatar is busy and professional, uh, in the case of a SaaS, Maybe they need something that's uh, short, simple, and easy to understand, okay? Because they're busy and they're professional, and they can't put their professional service on hold to go and spend weeks and weeks learning your SaaS, okay? Now, for creative service providers, uh, this is really, really easy to, to confuse this section with features. Um, as an example, in a website project, you might think of something like being able to add images to their profile, okay? And if you have a feature like that, that's fantastic. But this is bigger, needs are bigger than that, okay? So we wanna say, if, if the feature is that they can add an image to their profile, we wanna say, 
Why do they need that? Why do they need that simplicity? Why, why do they want to perform that activity? Uh, in, the, in this case, I would expect it's something like they want to be able to share their lifestyle and they want to be able to share their personal identity with others. That is much, much bigger and much, much deeper than just being able to put a photo on their profile. Okay, those are, those are the results of what they get what they can achieve by putting that profile on their that photo on their profile. Okay, so it's about connecting with others more than the simplicity or the ease of use of the actual website. Okay, if you're a UX designer working for agencies, for example, does your prospect, the agency, do they need a project manager for the UX portion of their project because they either don't have the time? or they don't have the resources or the in-house experience, okay? This is actually an opportunity that we identified recently for a UX designer client of ours. Maybe the customer needs help closing the pitch. Maybe they need the UX specialist to come to the pitch to help them close the job, right? Maybe they need confidence in their ability to deliver the project. Again, if they don't have that in-house capability, maybe they want to know that there is this support, there is this professional UX designer, if things go wrong, or worse for most creative professionals, if their customer asks them a question they don't know. <laughs> they want to be able to know they can get that answer for the customer, or they can have someone that they can just plug in. They can say, UX designer will answer this for you. Let's jump on a Zoom call, right? So that's about support. That's less about getting the best UX designer. That's more about getting the best support mechanism, okay? And then finally, the last section is goals. We want to start there just by understanding the big goals that our client's prospect has, okay? This is the stuff that drives them. And these may not be directly related to your client's product, but we still need to understand them. So the first question is going to be, what are their big goals? These could be related to family, uh, retirement, vacation, all of those type of things, right? If you're talking to a, a solopreneur, well, the last time they had a, a vacation was immediately before they launched this company, right? <laughs> so you need to know those sort of things, even though your client may not be able to do anything about getting them a vacation. So again, in the example of a widower who's just lost his wife, he's going to have goals like uh, stay close to the grandkids, not make his kids travel too far to visit, or worse, not have his kids be too far, too far away in case he needs their assistance in anything, right? Or maybe even um, he needs help with estate planning for his kids. He's just had this massive shock where he lost his wife unexpectedly, and now he's thinking of things like wills and making sure his kids are protected in case anything happens to him, in which case he needs this estate planning, right? So those are his big goals. That's step one, is just get all the big goals down. And then step two, we wanna go back and we wanna look at the way your client can provide solutions to those goals. And to be clear, your client is typically not gonna be able to, to provide solutions to all of the customer's goals. Otherwise, you haven't gone deep enough on those goals. We're not just limiting this to what our client can do. We wanna really understand this prospect. So this is where we wanna relate their goals more to us. Okay, remember the example of the prospect who hired uh, a UX designer because they got some new work and they needed support with it. Well, since they're looking for an external supplier, there are some more questions you need to ask. Are they looking for external expertise or are they looking for the flexibility? Because expertise is phenomenal and necessary, obviously, but maybe they're more focused on being able to grow and then let this specialist go at the end of the project so they can shrink on demand rather than going out and hiring an in-house specialist. And that would typically mean that they're possibly not confident in their ability to maintain the growth that they're having, okay? 
So the goals there would possibly be the ability to grow and shrink on demand instead of the addition of new expertise. So what could our client provide to them to help that goal, okay? And this is about positioning your solution in a way that makes it better than all the rest, okay? So you really need to be specific. You can, you've heard as I've gone along here, we're trying to make things very, very unique at each step of this uh, because if you can remove comparison, you can remove competition, okay? So the solution that we're positioning to them, it could be features in software, it could be content, it could be services, uh, it could be the way in which your service is delivered, right? You really don't want to limit yourself here. And of course, you do want to stick to the solutions that you can back up because the last thing we want to do is we want, don't want to start promoting solutions to problems that we can't provide, okay? Um, just before we wrap up, some high-level insight for when you're leading a client through this. Complete the most common user profile first and then return and complete the two most common secondary user profiles because you'll have some comparison then. You have sort of a jumping off point. So you want to ask, who else has your client done enjoyable and profitable work for? Because we're not going to base a, a potential user profile on something that was neither enjoyable nor profitable. Okay, Maybe this one's in the same vertical as the fir first one, but maybe they hold a different position. Maybe they're younger. Maybe they represent a different age bracket altogether. You probably need to look closely at your client's previous customers to identify these, but there will likely be some similar qualifiers that will pop up that you can harness into user profiles uh, to make that prospect easier to create solutions for. And of course, that's how big you can go here. You can get into product validation, you can get into new uh, new product per, uh, or new service planning, etc., etc. once you've got these, uh, these personas, their needs, their wants, their goals and desires all defined, okay? So just to recap, start with a name and an archetype. Next, identify the demographic characteristics of the prospect. After that, we've got their story. This is where we start thinking about the psychographic information about the prospect. And then finally, their needs and their goals. Uh, and then don't forget, I've got the free niche and audience definition training below this episode. Uh, it's a free course to show you exactly how to define your perfect audience for your own brand. And let me know in the comments what you usually do to prevent scope creep, or if you're not doing anything at all, I'd really, I'd love to hear what you, what sort of successes or difficulties that you're having. Uh, remember, if you're not subscribed, please go ahead and do so, and you can get notified whenever I publish new training like this. Uh, I publish every week, so I can simplify strategy consulting for creatively frustrated overthinkers, so that you can get the confidence and inspiration to harness your existing natural problem-solving abilities into a financially and creatively rewarding career in strategy consulting. Thanks so much for listening. I will see you in the next episode. This is The Brand Sprint Show with Bruce White, the podcast for thinkers, writers, and researchers to get the best practical advice on how to consult, how to sell, and how to deliver brand and strategy sprints right across your clients' business life cycles, because you can always add more value.